Hello there, happy innovators. How you doing today, huh? Huh? You having a good week? I hope that you are having a very good week. You know, I don't know what it's like where you live, wherever you are listening to this podcast, but here in New England, it is absolutely freezing here. For the past week or so, it's been like 10 degrees above zero or lower. And yes, it's winter. Yes, I'm used to the cold and all of that. But it is freezing here. Okay. I mean, with the wind chill, sometimes it's like minus 30 degrees. Record lows for the region of New England. And when you consider that New England is like the oldest region in the United States. I mean, it was where everything started. Uh, When they say that it's a record low, we're talking like, you know, since the year 1620, okay? It's the coldest it's been since then on record. So, yes, there's a little bit of snow and everything, but see, the problem is, is that there's a lot of ice. Like, absolutely everything is frozen, solid ice. There is ice on certain parts of my property that never get ice. They never get frozen. And we have this thing with the ice that happens around here. They call it black ice. I don't know what they call it where you're at, but black ice is when um, the ice is actually clear or you, you know you can't see it. It's not white or crystalline. It's just kind of like a, a little bit of a sheen on the blacktop or the asphalt, okay? And uh, it's dangerous because you don't see it. And uh, I got a bunch of that stuff all over my property, okay? And uh, actually the other day I was walking around out there and I slipped and fell. You know, like I don't do that very often. Man, I tell you what, I hit the bricks, man. (laughs) I went down like a cheap pair of salad tongs. And uh, (laughs) it was laughable now, but at the time it was pretty painful. And uh, a little bit shocking and embarrassing, you know. It's like one minute you're walking and the next minute you're laying on your back looking at the clouds. I mean, it's that quick. Um, So I'm recovering. (laughs) Like I said, the only thing that really got hurt was my pride. Um, Anyway, so today I want to share a story with you that came to mind the other night. So why don't you grab yourself a nice hot cup of coffee and maybe hang out with me for just a little while. Um, Anyway, so like I mentioned in the uh, Top of the Mountain episode, the last episode I released, my wife and I had gone to Las Vegas to deal with the funeral of her mother, my mother-in-law. And while we were there, you know, we were staying in a hotel. Um, There's a million hotels to stay at in Las Vegas, (laughs) obviously. Um, And unfortunately for me, I guess, um, you're not allowed to smoke in hotel rooms anymore. And you know what? It doesn't really bother me too much. You know, I kind of understand that, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a bad habit. Okay. I know that, but 
honestly, okay, I don't really smoke that much, okay? It's kind of something that I savor. It's not something that I abuse. So I would like to think that I'm a little bit more moderate when it comes to smoking. And so, therefore, it doesn't bother me to, you know, not be able to smoke in my hotel room and to have to maybe go outside to one of those, you know, pseudo smoking lounges that they set up outside of buildings these days, you know, where it's like maybe a bench, an ashtray kind of thing. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. Okay. So I woke up one morning in our hotel room and I decided I wanted to go downstairs and have a cigarette, maybe have a cup of coffee and just kind of prepare for the day a little bit mentally. So I go outside, I sit down on this bench and I light up and I'm just kind of sitting there taking in the climate, you know, the sky and just kind of thinking about the situation that we were going to have to deal with and just, you know, those kinds of things. And this dude comes along um, and sits down like right next to me on this bench Okay, so it's just me and this guy. And, you know, he's got like, you know, a tank top, shorts, flip-flops on. He's like a, maybe, I don't know, probably about 70 years old or maybe 65 years old or something like that. An older fella, white hair, you know. But obviously this guy, you know, was either on drugs, you know, drunk, both, or maybe even struggling with some kind of, like, mental illness or something. And right off the bat, like, right when he sits down, he starts talking to me, okay? And it's really kind of funny because (laughs) I'm used to that, you know? I don't know if you remember me mentioning way back... In the Snowflake 33 days, you know, I talked about how I had this tendency to attract people that are, you know, the quote-unquote freaks, you know, of society. Like, they just are drawn to me for some reason, okay? So I wasn't, like, surprised or anything. But I did notice that with this particular fella that he was, like, drooling a lot. And, you know, his teeth were like rotting out of his mouth Um, his left eye was like blown out and like red like just you know some serious damage to his eye Um, his hair was a mess you know he looked like he was probably homeless and like I said he sits down and he starts talking to me and we start having a actually a pretty interesting conversation And, you know, he's telling me that he's, you know, from Nebraska. You know, he has a farm in Nebraska. Uh, His name is James. He came to Las Vegas to become a famous singer. And he figured that if, you know, he was ever going to achieve his dream, like now was the time to do it, you know, at the age of 65. (laughs) And, um... You know, I kind of figured that it was like some kind of, you know, I don't know, some kind of delusion or some kind of, you know, ruse or some kind of 
scheme of his or something, you know, it was like almost waiting for him to say, you know, give me all your money or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like waiting for it, you know, but he didn't, he didn't. And we wound up having this really great conversation, you know, I was telling him about why I was in Las Vegas and, you know, he was really polite and cordial and, you know, it was, it was just one of those things where, you know, and it's happened to me before where I find myself having a conversation with somebody like that. And for some reason, when I'm having a conversation like that with a person like that, I wind up feeling good about it. I wind up being happier after I've talked to them. And I don't really know why. I mean, it's not some sense of charity or something like that. It's really something else that I can't quite pinpoint. You know, I can't put my finger on it. But, uh, you know, this this guy was obviously a mess. And uh, despite the fact that he was probably either, like I said, either high or, you know, mentally ill or both or whatever his deal was, um, he was really kind to me. However, what's strange is, okay, is that right when I was leaving, you know, I had to get up and go, um, I turned around to shake his hand and it was really weird because he looked at me like really strange and he stuck his hand out you know to shake my hand but he had this look in his eye like he was angry or like there was something wrong like something was wrong and I'll never forget it like it was just a subtlety but it was there I'm not quite sure what to make of that but it was really kind of out of character you know from uh what I knew of this guy, this conversation that we had, it really kind of struck me as odd that he just shot me this look when he was shaking my hand. Really strange. You know, it's one of those things that makes me kind of wonder, you know, like, what was I encountering? You know, what was I actually talking to? Um, like, there's something in this guy, you know? <laughs> That's what it seemed like. But, like I said, he was really nice and everything. And I, you know, went back to my room and kind of told my wife about it and everything. But I couldn't help but notice how good I felt after having talked to him. Like, um, it was really kind of strange. Don't quite know what to make of it, but I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Maybe you've had an experience like that yourself, you know. You're sitting somewhere by yourself, minding your own business, and then a stranger comes up and starts talking, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily go bad. It goes well. Um, and that was the case with James, the guy from Las Vegas. But another thing I wanted to talk about that's kind of related to this topic is, you know, Las Vegas is known, it's very famous for its gambling and its casinos and you know, it's known as Sin City and all that. And anything goes in Las Vegas. But honestly, okay, I never really liked casinos. Like, gambling is just something that does not appeal to me whatsoever. Like, I just, I'm not interested. I'm not against it. 
or anything like that. I just don't have the desire to gamble. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting, you know, anthropological study to walk through any one of the casinos in Las Vegas. And at this point, I think I've been through every casino there, uh, at least every major one. Um, and I can't help it, you know, like when I'm walking through these casinos and I see these people, man, just from all different walks of life, okay? Just every kind of person you can imagine, you know, sitting behind like some digital slot machine. They have them lined up, you know, maybe five or ten machines like in a row right next to each other. And and you walk past like column after column of slot machines. And, you know, in each one of those columns, there's maybe one or two or three people just kind of camped out. They have their, you know, lucky whatever sitting next to them. They... They are just sitting there staring into this machine and just hitting the buttons and, you know, just maybe hours of sitting there. And as I'm walking past, it's almost like they're in cubicles, you know, they're like, I can't help but kind of think about how much time they're wasting and like, how did they get there? And, you know, like, how did they arrive at this place in their life where, like, the highlight of their day, or the majority of their day, is spent sitting behind these contraptions, just getting that dopamine fix, just hitting that button, hitting the button, hitting the button, you know, over and over and over again. And... You know, I walk past them, and I'm not passing judgment or anything. I don't care if somebody wants to gamble. You know, I don't care if that's the, if that's what they want to do with their life. But I just can't help thinking the way that I do about it. You know, it's almost a sense of pity that uh, so much time and so much money is seemingly, at least to me, being wasted. To them, you know, in their perspective, that's probably not the case at all. But... I just can't help it, you know, walking through just row after row of these machines and you see these souls sitting there, you know, I don't know. It makes me feel kind of sad, you know, it makes me have pity for them and, uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I have the wrong idea, but I don't know. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you agree. I don't know. And, you know, another thing I wanted to talk about today is this show that my wife and I stumbled across one night. By accident, really, we stumbled into it. It was a show on the Smithsonian Channel, which is like, you know, a channel I never watch. But it was a show called um, America in Color. That's what it was called. And it was footage from like the 1920s. Uh, the 1930s, the 40s, and the 50s, all the way up to the 60s, I believe. Okay, I could be wrong. But what it was, was this old black and white footage from back in the day that somehow they have meticulously gone back and colorized all of this footage. 
And yeah, I've seen, you know, the the movies that they've done that too. Like It's a Wonderful Life, you know, the colorized version or whatever. And that's pretty cool. You know, it's cool. I could take it or leave it. You know, black or white color, it doesn't matter. But what made this whole America in color thing so interesting to me was how much more real those events that they had documented on film, and some of them are just so famous, you know, historical moments in history um, that we're used to seeing, like on those old newsreels, you know, uh, FDR doing the speech for Pearl Harbor and um, a day that will live in infamy, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, Like we see it in black and white, you know, and it's, I don't know, I guess to me, okay, it's kind of like I'm detached from it. It's not connected to me. It's from another time, from a long, long time ago. Like as soon as I see something in black and white, the old footage, it registers in my brain that way, okay? It's almost like a way of taking the humanity out of it, okay? I mean, it's it may sound strange to you, but um, but it doesn't sound strange to me, okay? It's the way my brain works, you know? So seeing these events, these famous events in color, and watching some of this found footage, you know, from these time periods that I've never seen before, and it's all colorized, it's all in color, Um, It was just absolutely fascinating to watch and to learn from because almost every decade that they covered was chock full of information and footage of events that took place that I never heard anything about. And what's more is that It's amazing to see how much things have not changed. That the issues that still are important to people on the planet Earth today were just as important back then. Yeah, the world might have changed. Things sped up a little bit. Haircuts changed. Fashion changed. But the issues, the core problems... The concerns are all the same. It's fascinating. And I couldn't help but kind of think, wow, I wish I would have had that when I was a kid. You know, like how lucky the younger generations are now that they have access to things like that, that they can watch that and learn from it. They probably don't. You know, like it's their kids or whatever. But I don't know. I think if I were a kid and this kind of footage and information were made available to me as a young little kid running around. I don't know, man. I think I would have been pretty into it. I would have been paying attention. Um, and that was one of the things that I wanted to talk about. And watching all that footage, you can kind of see how there has been like since the like the turn of the century the 1900s there had been this steady moral decline you can watch it happen 
you know, in real time. Like you can watch it start in the 1900s, right? Or something like that. And you just gradually see things, you know, morally or whatever, quote unquote, breaking down gradually. Um, It's quite amazing to see it because, you know, while I'm watching this footage, like, you know, they show footage of like the Great Depression, you know, Um, was it Black Tuesday or whatever in America? Like they're showing the footage of that day. Okay. But we know how it played out. Like we're, we're so far away from it now in time. We know what happened. Like, so when they show Nixon claiming he was not in any way involved in Watergate, right? We already know how it played out. So it's just fascinating to watch it from the perspective that we have today, you know, to look back on the history of things and know how they played out now. Okay. So like Pearl Harbor gets bombed. We see the footage. It's all in color. Like we've never seen it before. Right. But we know what happened after that. Okay. You fast forward to today. We know what that bombing, what that footage led to in history, you know, pretty fascinating to think about if you really think about it, you know, you see John F. Kennedy being elected, but we know how it played out. We know how it ends, right? Pretty fascinating when you watch it through those eyes, you know, when you watch the flappers and prohibition on alcohol being lifted in the 1920s. We already know how it plays out. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, It's also kind of funny, too, because, you know, people still like the same things. (laughs) You know, human beings still like, you know, booze, parties, sex, food, um, you know, (laughs) Some things never change, (laughs) you know, Um, and that makes me laugh, you know, (laughs) oh, human nature, you know, it's just, uh, it's crazy, man. It's crazy, especially when you think about something like the depression, you know, and when that all shook down and, uh, you know, who was really responsible for it, you know, that, that incredible dip in the stock market where I mean it was just you know bedlam you know people committing suicide because they lost everything in a day they lost everything you know and uh, you know the implementation of this thing called the soup kitchen you know the soup lines the bread lines in America like this happened You know, we forget about that kind of stuff, really, because we have the luxury of being able to forget about it. But you watch this footage, man, and it's like it it becomes a reality. You know, it becomes a reality Um, just by putting it in color, at least to me. You know, it just becomes a lot more real. Like, oh, yeah, like this really happened. This isn't just some newsreel from the past. 
This is something that really happened. And do you know what I mean? Maybe you do. I hope you do. Um, if not, then this probably sounds pretty stupid. <laughs> but uh, I can live with that. And, you know, I suppose I can tie all this into this idea. Okay. I guess maybe it's a little bit of a reach, but we can tie it into the idea of, you know, generational curses. You know? Um, I believe in that. You know, it's a, it's something I've kind of been spending some time thinking about. And uh, judging by the reaction I got from that last episode I did of the Singularity podcast, a lot of people, uh, I think, agree with a lot of what I was talking about in that podcast. Um, and a lot of people have stories of their own to share. Um, it was pretty profound, you know? It makes me kind of process it all over again. You know, that maybe there's something to this, you know, like maybe there's some reality to the realm of the invisible, you know, uh, crossing over into our reality and um, in many different ways. Okay, many different ways. And uh, like I said, different people with very different experiences. When you watch something like America in Color and you can see the decline of, you know, morality, because you really can't, okay? It's not like, I don't think it's really a matter of opinion. You can see it rolling out, you know, uh, over the decades. Um, has that had an effect on the world that we live in today? Of course it has. Of course it has. I mean, you hear people talking about it all the time. You know, there's like, you know, YouTube video after YouTube video of people on the bus, you know, demonically possessed or whatever. Right? Pretty crazy footage, some of it is anyway. Um, yeah, I guess any of that stuff could be faked, but some of it I think is real. You know, I think I have witnessed on videotape it anyway, uh, you know, real demonic possession. I believe I've seen it. Um, I believe I've seen it in real people. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think I have. Um, don't know for sure. There's no way I can. But uh, pretty sure, pretty sure. I've seen some pretty crazy things. Had some pretty wild experiences, you know. And I shared a lot of them with you in that last episode. I guess, you know, I wish there was a forum. I wish there was a way for me to hear your stories about these kinds of things. Um, some of my listeners were gracious enough to share some of their stories with me. But uh, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of open listening to you, you know, feel free to shoot me an email, you know, um, if you have any stories that you want to share with me, I would definitely be interested in hearing them, you know, and, uh, maybe talk about them, you know, or something, you know, um, okay. Now I also want to talk to you today <laughs> about this idea that I had, 
<laughs> that I think might be worth sharing with you today, okay? Um, and it starts with like a question, okay? Like, you know, you go through life and you learn things right and you think you're pretty smart, you know? Um, not the most intelligent person in the world, but you know, you know a few things, right? Did you ever have a situation where you realize how much you don't know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I did, you know. Um, like, <laughs> it's something that really is funny to think about, okay? At least it is to me, okay? Because I don't have any problem admitting my own ignorance, okay? It's <laughs> maybe one of my more positive uh, uh aspects to my personality, okay? I have no problem seeing my flaws and laughing at them, okay? Um, but I was watching this, again, you know, I was watching this series on YouTube. I watched a lot of YouTube, obviously. Um, and it was called Show Us Your Junk, okay? Now, if you're like a, a musician, a producer, uh, artist of any kind if you're a musician um, this is a series that you should probably check out because it's really interesting and it's like I said it was like a revelation to me okay um, it's a show a series that goes into famous recording studios that are currently operating okay and they take you on a tour through the studio and they show you the equipment they use, you know, the technology that they use, the history of these studios, like who's recorded there, what was recorded there. You know, all that stuff is really interesting. Okay. But throughout the course of this series, one of the things I realized, which I kind of knew already, okay, was like, I basically don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about recording music, <laughs> okay? Now, keep in mind, this is all happening at the time that I'm writing new material, right? And, you know, I kind of think to myself, okay, I got my arms around this thing, you know, I know what I'm doing a little bit, you know? But after watching the show, <laughs> I just realized, man, <laughs> what I don't know about recording totally surpasses what I do know about recording. And it was really kind of laughable <laughs> to me. Still is. That's why I'm bringing it up, because I think it's important to reflect on those kinds of things. I mean, the idea is, you know, like with anything else in life, you want to do better as you go along. I mean, you, you want to learn more and you, you know, after doing something for like 20 years or something, you know, you'd like to think anyway that you've learned a few things. And, you know, honestly, I have. Okay, I have. Um, I'm not completely lost or bewildered. Okay, but with some of the stuff... Like, for instance, uh, the effect pedals that they use in these studios, you know, like, I guess I learned 
that, you know, effect pedals are a large part of what happens in a studio. And I didn't know that <laughs> at all. Um, and I guess that, you know, the show, this show, Show Us Your Junk, is sponsored by a effect pedal company. So that's kind of like the the emphasis of this show. Like they want to see the pedals that are used in these studios, the choices that these engineers and these producers make when it comes to adding effects to your mix and stuff like that. But it was just like, just when I thought I had some, you know, grasp of studio engineering or whatever, um, along comes something like this where it's like, damn, you know, I just don't know anything. I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, it sucks, man. It sucks. <laughs> but, you know, it's all a learning experience, right? <laughs> and another thing that I wanted to talk about, okay, was this weird kind of, I don't know, I guess I would call it like a phenomena, okay, where I record something, I write something and record it like earlier in the day. And it sounds great, okay? And maybe you know what I'm talking about, you know? Like, you're happy with what you did. But then when you go back and listen to it, like, later or, like, the next day, it sounds terrible. And that doesn't happen all the time for me, okay? But it does happen, you know, a lot, okay? And I can never quite understand why that happens, so maybe if you are a more experienced studio engineer, you can kind of give me your feedback on that because I would appreciate it. I think you know who I'm talking about. Um, and in case you haven't noticed, I'm kind of meandering here. You know, I didn't sit down with like a plan today. I just decided to start talking. So <laughs> I apologize, you know, if this is not the most exciting uh, singularity podcast that I've done. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. And you know, here's another thing I wanted to talk about. I'm not necessarily sure I should, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Okay. I had this strange interaction or like experience with this person who I won't name. They'll remain nameless. Okay. Uh, there's this person. Okay. I had asked a favor of um, doing some singing bits, okay, for a project that I was working on. And this person graciously did me the favor, no questions asked, okay. And I let them know when the project was over that uh, I owed them one, okay. Like I would be into reciprocity. If they ever needed something from me, I would be willing to help them out, okay. So, I guess I can also say that throughout the um, interaction, you know, this, this project that I was involving this person with, the interactions weren't necessarily smooth. Like the person's, I felt anyway, the person's personality was a little abrasive sometimes. And uh, maybe mine was too. Okay, so uh, no harm, no foul, but... 
the reality was that, you know, my impression was from this person who remains nameless that the relationship was professional but strained. Okay, like if we were to meet in person and hang out, we probably wouldn't really get along really well, which to me doesn't mean anything at all. Okay, Uh, work is work, play is play. All right. So a couple months pass. All right. And this person contacts me again and they say, because they are not a musician. Okay. They say to me, I have these lyrics for a song and they sang a bit of it to me, okay? And um, they had asked me if I would be willing to arrange it, you know, put it into a song structure and play the chords, you know, the music to it and kind of like write a version of the song for them that they could have, okay? Now, like I said, I'm totally about reciprocity. I owed them one, no problem, okay? So I do it. It takes me about a day or two of tinkering around with it. And I finally come up with something that's like, you know, pretty good, you know, like doable and workable. Okay. So I send this person the song. I send them the session that I I made it in so they could have it. Okay. Totally for free. I don't want any credit. They could just have it. I don't care. It, It wasn't hard to do. And I owed them one, right? Okay. So I told the person like on a Monday that I would have it for them on Friday. I know I agree on Monday. I'll have it done by Friday, by the end of the week, right? Well, I managed to get it finished a day early. So I sent it to this person on Thursday. Okay. Got it. And so I'm waiting You know, I'm waiting for a response. I'm waiting for something to kind of like let me know, well, one, that they got the files that I sent, right? That they liked what they hear or they don't like what they hear, okay? And I wait and I wait and I wait and I don't hear anything until Saturday. Now, I don't know about you. Okay, but it kind of, okay, it kind of pissed me off a little bit, okay? Because, you know, I had taken my time to do this, okay? So I figured the least they could do is, you know, kind of like respond in a timely fashion, okay? Maybe it's not the top priority of their day, but, you know... Be considerate, have some consideration for me and kind of let me know. Give me some feedback. Give me something, right? So Saturday, I'm talking to this person. We're in the middle of a conversation. We're talking about these tracks. We're talking about the song structure via email, okay? And then kind of like in the middle of the conversation, I ask a question or something and there's no answer. So I'm sitting there waiting. You know, like we're in the middle of a conversation, like we're talking about this and all of a sudden this abruptly stops. Okay. So probably about 10 or 15 minutes later, this person responds and I'm like, where did you go? Like, like, 
we were in the middle of a conversation. Like, what? What the hell? Like, what's that all about? Well, I was on a call with someone else. What? Like, we were in the middle of doing this. Like, we're in the middle of talking about this. And you're on the phone with somebody else. Like, so you cut me off to go talk on the phone with somebody else. I'm like, I hate when people do that. (laughs) Okay? I don't know. Maybe I'm old-fashioned or something. Okay? But doesn't it make sense that, like, when you're talking to someone, like, if they have to step away or they have to pause the conversation, that they would say something, that they would acknowledge it that way. Like, I'll be right back. Uh, I have to take a call. I'll be right back or something like that. I mean, I just find that so absolutely rude that someone would do that. So I kind of expressed to this person, right, that it pissed me off. Like, I hate when people do that. Like, don't do that. All right. If we're talking about music, we're talking about a project we're working on. Don't just disappear. Right. Like, at least let me know you're stepping away. Okay, that's my point. All right. Well, this person comes back at me with like anger and disgust that I was so impatient or whatever. And decides that they don't want to have anything to do with this project anymore, that it's over. They don't want to do anything anymore. Okay. And uh, they go off about how mean I am and how. Uh, inconsiderate or like there's the, I have a mean streak and everything and I'm like a mean streak like I just recorded all the stuff for you for free and I gave you everything I even let you keep it and I don't even want any credit for it and you think I have a mean streak like what are you talking about you know it confuses me and it brings me to this point Okay, that what is normal and acceptable, like manners and etiquette in social interaction is not present in most online interactions that I have. It's not the first time that this kind of thing has happened, but it is the first time that I said something to somebody about it. Okay, normally I just keep my mouth shut and I don't say anything. I just get offended and then like get over it. But this time I said something and you know, this person didn't want to hear it and just cut me off. (laughs) It's just (laughs) like, what? They just cut me off. Like I did all this stuff for you. And I expressed myself that, that you had offended me. And now all of a sudden we're just not going to talk or deal anymore. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, This is the state of the world that we live in, you know, where people just do not care about the other person, right? They only care about themselves. And I'm sorry, but I don't fit into a world like that. Okay. I don't, I don't know what else to say, but it's not the first time that's happened. And it's probably not the last time it'll happen. I just felt like, damn it, I got to say it, you know, I just want to say it and see if anybody agrees with me. You know, I'm just like fed up with the rude and inconsiderate behavior of a lot of people that I have dealt with online. 
Maybe you agree. Maybe you disagree. Maybe I'm overreacting. You know, maybe I have the problem. Eh, I probably do. I guess I can kind of be a jerk sometimes or be short with people or, you know, quick to anger or something, I suppose. You know, sometimes, depending on the situation. But I think most of the time, I'm pretty even keel. I'm pretty laid back. I'm, you know, I'm the kind of guy that will record tracks for you for free and give them to you and not want credit and not want money or anything like that. That doesn't sound like a mean or bad person to me. Okay? And just for your information, if I were talking to you and I had to step away from our conversation, I would let you know. So maybe that's the point that I'm trying to make is like, maybe we can all start doing that for each other. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, be considerate that way. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Oh, anyway, so um, hope this wasn't too boring. I think, it, you know, uh, I hope you take it like this, that I was doing this episode for you because I know that I haven't given you one in a while and I wanted to give you something rather than nothing. And I want to get back to my songwriting, you know, and uh, educating myself about studio art, you know. Um, so for now, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.